Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Mac. And that was Madigan's bedroom voice. I hope you're all really impressed. <laughs> I was going to try to do it the whole way and I can't do it. I'm Madigan. And you are listening to Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And you are listening to a mini episode where we talk about what's in the news. Yes. And this is going to be kind of a unique mini episode where... Usually, we will each pick like two, three, four things to talk about and kind of rattle them off as quickly as we can and get to the heart of the issue. We have decided to take the majority of today's episode to talk about one subject and one subject only. And in the last however many minutes of the episode, we will lighten it up with some happy stuff. Yes. Before we get started, do you want to know what I did on my way here? I would love to know. I listened to our first episode. Aw, that's cute. It was so cute because this girl tagged us where she it, like had like a clip of our first episode. And I was like, gosh, I where? really... Where? I didn't see that. Oh, she just messaged us. She commented on a photo being like, I just started listening to your podcast. And then we got a message that was like, so-and-so tagged you in their story. That's super cute. And it says, it's like this young girl, I think. It says, I just started listening to Angry Neighborhood Feminist. And then you hear our voices in the background from the first episode. That's super cute. It was so cute. Thank you. And I was like, I had to listen to like the first few minutes and I was I was sick at the time. I was like, oh, God, nothing changes. And it was like Christmas time. Like you had your Christmas tree when we recorded and things. Like I remember because it took me 80 million years to edit that episode. <laughs> You're like, I remember every word of I that episode. I remember so much about that episode. And then just being like, fuck it, I'm going to cut out 20 minutes of this. Yes. So listeners just know there's 20 minutes of that episode that you have not heard. You've not heard. <laughs> Maybe when we have like a Patreon going up, we'll start like putting up bloopers and things we've i started just compiling all of our ums and ahs yes and into, likes and likes and uh the word that i used a lot at the, at the beginning was totally yes and absolutely was my word yes, absolutely totally we say this like we're like seasoned podcasters i know right been doing this for a long time nope we're not even like we're on like month like five we're maybe. on this would be episode well we just uploaded episode 18 of, of, like, the regular mid- episodes. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. So, okay. like, kind of double that for the mini episodes. I yeah, I don't know. I've totally lost head. count. I, yeah. I'm not the person you should talk to about math. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to bring that up really quick. Today, we're going to talk a lot about the violence, specifically gun violence that's been happening kind yeah. of since Parkland. We're also going to touch on the man who drove his car into a restaurant. Yeah, so... We decided, I think, kind of on the cuff last full-length episode to talk about gun violence for our mini because we the Santa Fe High School shooting had just happened and we mm-hmm. really hadn't had a lot of time to process that or talk about it. And, and we had a lot to cover last episode, too. We, so we, we did, to- but it's really upsetting to me, not just because of all the things that we've already said, because I feel like... We've been doing this podcast, we were doing this podcast when Parkland happened, and we expressed all of our sadness and 
you know, how can you keep doing it over and over? Right, again? and it kind of feels, and having it still give the same meaning. I right, feel like that's how I feel. It's like, what more can I say that's going to give the same meaning to what I've already said? Yeah, yeah, it kind of feels repetitive. It feels like you're stuck in a loop, and I think a lot of other people must feel the same way because I am truly not seeing the same kind of coverage for this shooting. No, because it's um, it, it, I don't know. There's I feel like there's a lot of people feeling defeated. It's, ap- it's apathy. Like, it is feeling really apathetic. Yes, because what are you? What are we supposed to do? And so I think that's good that we're talking about it. Yeah. Because maybe some people are feeling a little bit apathetic and we need to continue to have the the rage, not to use like our podcast pun or whatever, but we need to continue to rage about this and be mad. Right, because here's the thing, like these 10 lives that were lost at this shooting are no less important than the lives that were lost at Parkland or the lives that were lost at Sandy Hook. And we should be talking about them at every moment that we can. Yes, I agree. And um, so let's let's start chatting about what happened. Okay. You know, and I've kind of kept myself out of the loop a little bit as well because I think I needed some time to process it. I didn't read the article right away. I read just kind of the basic stuff. And then I kind of stayed out of it for a few days, um, just looking at a few things every now and again. So today I kind of did my more of my research on the whole thing. So Yeah. Okay. So the shooting happened uh, last Friday, which was May 18th at around 730 in the morning in Santa Fe, Texas. I didn't even know there was a Santa Fe, Texas. Nope. I thought it was New Mexico. Yeah. As someone from New Mexico, I did not know that it shared its name with another place. And a kid who they've now determined to be um, 17 year old Demetrios I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to say his last name because I have not watched anything. I've only read articles. So it's uh, Pegortsis. I mean, honestly, I feel like, you know, we can mention the name, but the people's names to me that matter are the people that were the victims. Absolutely. And the survivors. But here's why I think it's important to, well, I guess you don't need to know his name for this, but I think it is important to talk about this shooter for a few reasons. One, because his father has come out and said he is a victim because he was bullied. Yep. And he's a good boy. Okay, great. Are we just jumping right into it? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, go ahead. I mean, he... Something must have happened now, this last week. Somebody probably came and hurt, and hurt him, and since he was a solid boy, I don't know what could have happened. I can't say what happened. All I can say is what I su- suspect as a father. And this is his father, Antonius Pegortsis. Um, who suspects he may have endured teacher-on-student bullying after reading reports of the teen being mistreated by football coaches. And even though investigators have confirmed that these reports are untrue, whether they are true or not... That, for me, is something that I feel like is important to talk about because I have experienced bullying from staff members at a school. I absolutely believe it's possible. It is very possible, and it is also very possible for teachers to cover their asses and for investigators to be swayed. Agreed. I'm not going to go too far into it because it's for another episode, but they touch on this a lot in 13 Reasons Why. No, I have... most recent season. Here's the thing. I absolutely believe that this could... 
Anytime I read it's been investigated and confirmed that the reports are untrue, I take that with a grain of salt because I don't necessarily trust that your investigation was done unbiasedly or this or that. We are talking about a kid who killed 10 other kids. So I don't necessarily believe that your reports are unbiased. I totally believe that he could have been um, bullied by coaches on the football team. Absolutely. In Texas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sorry, Texas listeners. Let's also focus on the fact that the victim, Shayna Fisher, her mother came out and said that he had tried to, like, ask her on a date and, like, tried to go out with her and she would turn him down. Well, I want to be really specific about this particular victim because he did not just ask her out on a date. He, according to the mother, he harassed her. He wouldn't leave her alone for months and months. Mm. And... She finally, because I hate this, like, I've seen it multiple times in news headlines that say, like, she rejected him and then he killed her during this spree. And Which is not her fault. No, it's not her fault. And I don't like using the term rejected because she was, if we believe the mother's, you know, um, statements about this, she was being harassed by him. She didn't reject him. She stood up for herself. Exactly. And told him to leave her alone. Yeah. And if he was embarrassed by that, well, like, I'm sorry, but we need to be teaching our boys to leave girls alone when they express disinterest. I feel like, and we had a whole episode on this that we had to scrap because of audio quality, but there's this idea and this notion in the United States Um, and probably in other countries around the world, I don't know, that if a girl rejects you, that means you need to try harder. Yep. And you need to keep trying until Until she says yes. Yes. And that's not the case. Leave her the fuck alone. Yeah. She said no. Yeah. I actually read a tweet this morning that someone posted about, like, a conversation they had with, like, a teenage nephew. I saw that, too. Yeah, where he was like, oh, I asked her out, and she said no. And he's like, you know what I have to do now? And she's like leave her alone. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, she, so what happened was I saw the same thing. Her nephew says, I I asked this girl out and she, she said no. And the aunt says, well, do you know what you have to do now? And he says, I know, keep trying. And she says, no, No. (laughs) leave her alone. Yeah. Like that's the thing. And we're going to have an entire episode I really wanted to have an episode on why it's uh, on on the danger of saying no, because I feel like so often people are like, well, why didn't you just say no? Well, why didn't you just do this? Because that's not accepted all the time. Because they could kill you. Yeah. And so I want to really have an episode, and I think we're going to do it soon, on this whole, like, weird incel phenomenon that, you know, Elliot Fisher had when he went and, and killed a bunch of people, and then that driver in, was it Toronto? Yeah had whenever he ran over a bunch of people where because women deny you sex somehow that makes it okay for you to like go in and like kill people and i'm sorry for this particular shooter if your dad is saying that you're so solid that you're a good boy then clearly you are not so solid you are choosing like we always talk about the possibility of mental illness are they are they not either way whether there's mental illness involved or not that is not a solid child That is not someone that I would consider solid because clearly there was something stewing inside of them. There was hatred. There was sadness. There was something going on within him that led him to do something so horrible. So don't go calling him solid to the media. To me, that was very enraging. Whether whether or not you believe he was solid, one, he wasn't. There was obviously something really wrong with him. Two, also, 
yes, is is mental illness in this country an issue that needs to be dealt with? Definitely. Absolutely. However, to constantly blame mental illness is... Depending on the shooter? Well, first, it is depending on the shooter, but you're also like... There are lots of mentally ill people who don't hurt anybody. Yes. And so you're putting it's this label, a stigma. you're creating this stigma around mental illness that mentally ill people are violent and they're it, not. Yeah, it depends on the men- mental illness. It depends on the way that person is treated. There are so many factors. And there are also people that just have hatred in their heart. Absolutely. It, is, I, it, it just, yeah. you can't pin it on just one thing. I completely agree with you that there is such a stigma around mental illness already to automatically assume that they're dangerous is such a medieval way of thinking. Yeah. And it's also very frustrating to me when I start hearing, oh, he was on the honor roll, but he did this, but he was so solid. As if you can't be smart and also have other issues. That, and then you see if this had been a black man that did it, it would be, oh, he lived down the wrong side of of the tracks, and he... And can we also address that it is not black men doing this. It is is not. not, It is not men of color doing this. It is not women doing this. So when you see this happen, I feel like every time this happens, there are new scapegoats by the NRA or by whoever, uh, you know, on perhaps the right, who are making new scapegoats to talk about absolutely anything except Mm -hmm. for guns. And oftentimes they will say mental illness or video games or, well, you know what? People of every walk of life, people of every gender and people of every race suffer from mental illness and people from every race play video games. And people from every country play video Mm -hmm. games and suffer from mental illness. And guess which demographic has this problem? It is white men in the United States, majority, like the majority of people who have this problem. And they're also typically middle class, I feel like. Yeah. I'm not looking at statistics. Don't come at me. That's just from what I've observed. And before we get people, because I know if someone is listening and they're going to be all butthurt because you're a white man, we are not saying all white men. And I hate that right. I even have to have, say have that. Have you shot up a school or are you going to? Then we're not talking to you. Yeah. But I think we do need to adjust. Like, I, it just bugs me because with any other demographic, we wouldn't have to say that. With right? any other demographic, we wouldn't have to say not all white men. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's what bugs me about it is like, okay, Almost every school shooter that has happened since Columbine has been a white man, mm-hmm. usually of the middle class. Yep. We are not allowed to talk about how this is a trend. And I'm sorry, but and I truly am sorry, but if you're taking it that way, I feel like that's fragile masculinity. Yeah, you need to examine yourself because we are that's not toxic. talking to you. And I'm sorry, I know I'm coming across really aggressive right now, but like... Because we're mad. It, well, you did open a podcast called Your Angry, Your Neighborhood, angry Feminist. Neighborhood Feminist. Come and on now. This is something that makes me so angry because I feel like with this particular subject, we continue to dance around the fucking problem and never talk about what the actual issue is getting warm in here. I know. Do you remember doing this to your shirt? Hell yeah. Madigan I'm so just, sorry. I just tucked the bottom of my shirt through the... Between her boobs. Yeah. Did you ever do that when you were little? We've it's, all done it. It's really harder with with boobs. Like I, I, I wouldn't know. I have underboob going on right now. <laughs> I wouldn't know. It's real sexy in here right now, guys. Um, um, so I feel like it's a good... That is a good segue. <laughs> your your boob sweat. I just had some underboob sweat I had to deal with for a second. It's a really good segue um, because we just did talk about how we weren't going to talk so much about the shooter. And we were going to try and focus more 
on the, on victim. the victims. Although I think it's important to talk about the shooter. For it is but all I the think, reasons we just said. But I think the thing for me is that when I think about Columbine, I've read a lot about it. I've i am been sounds weird to say that I've been like interested in learning about it, but I have. And it's really hard for me to stick those names into my head. Yet I know Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold's name. Right. Those are the shooters. And uh, luckily, I don't. I think something Cruz was the Parkland shooter. Nicholas. But I remember Emma Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to reprogram my brain a little bit to remember more about the victims than I do right. about the actual shooter. That's I, just something I'm trying to no, do. No, and I think that that is important. And I think like. I think it's important to, and I actually thought about it today. I'm like, I'm going to add the names from Santa Fe because I have extra room on my poster mm-hmm. that I took to March for Our Lives where I wrote out the names from um, the most recent shootings. Let's just keep, I mean, it would be horrifying, but I mean, we should just start like a poster board and start just I think it's important. Names. I think it's important. I'm going to yeah. add, because I have extra room on that poster, so I think I'm going to add these names to it because I do think it's important to look at the victims' names. I understand why it's also important, though, to... For these reasons, because I don't think we should let it, like, fly under the radar, that there is a trend here. There was an article that I read, I believe it was, like, a New York Times article, or a New Yorker article, opinion piece, called The Boys Are Not Alright. Oh. Until we have a conversation about toxic masculinity and entitlement that's happening with our boys, we cannot solve this problem. Yeah. Like, that's that's the thing. It's just like, is it guns? Yes, I believe it's guns. Do I believe that we need to have stronger regulations on guns? Most definitely. 110%. I've said this a million times. Like, as far as, like, I believe we need to do something about guns. We also need to do something about, about boys. the way we are raising our boys and the yep. way that toxic masculinity affects men. Because it isn't just guns that are tied to toxic masculinity. We're talking sex crimes, which I hate even using that term because rape is not sex in any way. Um, right, but, but it's sexual gratification for the exactly there, perpetrator. It, it leads to so many other crimes. Toxic masculinity. It can lead to so many other things that are horrible, and I feel like guns are definitely such a prominent issue right now that we need well, to be focusing because on. It's not, it's not just guns. Like, do I think... I will never say the words guns are not the problem because I feel like that's such a talking point of of pro like NRA activists. But it's not just guns. Here's the yeah. thing. It's because guns are a tool yes. that are easily accessible, far too easily accessible. Like in the case of the Santa Fe shooting, his father, another thing his father says is that they weren't his guns, they were my guns, and he got them from me. Yeah, and it's we're not, not saying it's your guns. We're right. saying that you're having them in the house but and having them accessible to you. They're far too accessible. Motherfucker. And there is a link between toxic masculinity or this idea of being hyper-masculine and what it means to be a man is directly linked to violence Mm -hmm. in that if someone disrespects you or hurts your ego or, like, does this or that, that you, even if it's not guns, even if it's not shooting up a school, even if it's not something that extreme, there is, and I think all of us know somebody who, like, if their masculinity is threatened, will throw a punch. Loses it. Or, like, will start a fight. And they feel justified in that because you came, you stepped to them, so they can step back to you. We need to challenge this idea. And it's not sexy when your boyfriend gets in a fight and gets hurt, whatever. That's not sexy. It's not okay when your little boys say things against people who maybe threaten their masculinity or things like that and react in aggression and violence. It's not okay. Right. And so we really need to address that as a culture, even though... 
you know, communities of color are hyper-masculine in general, like Latino communities, black communities. We don't have school shooters who are black or Latino. So what is there a specific issue within the white community that is their hyper-masculine... It's entitlement. It has to be. Yeah. Like, their hyper-masculinity and entitlement is acting out in this particular way. Yeah. And it's closely associated also with their ability to get guns. Yep. Like, all of this is creating this perfect storm and... This is a good way to lead us into what the NRA is doing right now, where they're saying, well, we just need to treat schools like prisons, and there needs to be one exit and one entrance, and it's video games, and it's not video games. There have been so many studies that have said, like, it's not video games. Video games aren't doing this to your kids. Yep. It's access to guns and this toxic masculinity that's perpetrated in our culture combined. Yep. That's what's happening. Uh Um, In my humble opinion, that's what it is. And I could be totally wrong. Maybe we will find something else out. I don't know. But to me, that's the obvious answer to this issue. We need to be educating our kids. Like, can we try it? Can we just, like, try and, like, see that it works? And if we can't educate our kids, because I know we can't rely on people to do that then we need to limit their access to guns. Mm -hmm. I understand it's not all hashtag, like, not all gun owners, but, like, it's some of you, and it's some of your kids. Yep. So we got to do something about that. Yeah, let's just try. Or make it harder for them to be, uh, to get them. Yeah, Chris even texted, he was so upset after both the, the car driving into the restaurant incident and the shooting. He's Uh out of town right now, so we've just been kind of speaking through text. And he was just like, Fuck it. Like, if we have kids, we're just homeschooling them. It's, it's just like, it's we're, he's at that point where he's just like, what are we supposed to do to protect these people? My my friend actually texted me because she sent me a um, picture of one of the kids who died in the Santa Fe shooting because he died, and I'll talk about him in a minute, but he died protecting, he was blocking the door and actually saved a couple of his female classmates and died in that way. And I saw his picture and he was such a, you know, just like a normal looking guy from a, yeah. a, a small midwest town and and it could be anyone and she said i'm so scared for owen to go to kindergarten because that's her nephew and he's about to start kindergarten next year well that's how i feel about the kid that i take care yeah, of it's scary. It's like it sucks that like we have to think that way and i love that we are creating that conversation with him a little bit not quite the realities of it because he's six mm-hmm. and that's a little heavy but there is some sort of conversation that's already starting, and I think that that's what we need to be doing. It's The kids are never too young to realize that their own mortality is at rate, I feel. Yes, but it's also very sad because right after... I, I tweeted something on our um, Twitter because right after this happened, they interviewed a girl whose friend got shot, and when they were talking to her, it was so weird because she was like looking at the ground. She wasn't looking at the camera. But when they asked her, are you surprised that this happened? She said, no. Mm-hmm. Like, she almost laughed. She was like, no. Like, I kind of, I was waiting for this to happen. And that broke my heart. That this is the reality like, that we live in. This is the reality that Gen Z kids are, are brought up in. It could be you. It could be you. Yeah. These kids at Santa Fe High School, they walked out for National Walkout Day. Yep. And this happened to them. Yep. So it could happen to I'm not trying to scare anyone if there are teenagers listening. No, there needs needs to be a reality check. This could happen to you. It could happen to your school. It could happen to us. We're not in school. But legit, and I'll take a picture of this and put it on our story, but legit, in my break room, in my office, there is a 
there is a um, display of what to do if there's an active shooter in your office. It's horrifying. Like, it is in every... It is in every school, every workplace, every yeah. cinema, every everything, because yep. every concert, it could happen anywhere. Yeah. Um, okay, so really quickly, just because I know we're, we're going on long, we're already this at 30 This is going to be a quote-unquote mini episode. This People is going to be like gonna have a to deal bonus with it. mini, sorry. Um, okay, so I'm just going to... I'm not sorry. I think it's important to just talk about the victims, so I'm going to do this quickly, yes. but I, I do want to talk about them. Cynthia Tisdale broke my heart. She was a substitute teacher, 64. Uh, She's a grandmother of 11. She worked two jobs because her husband has lung cancer. And there is currently a GoFundMe. Um, We'll try and find that. Maybe we can put the link up for that. Because her husband still needs care and he can't work. And his wife was the primary caregiver for him. (sighs) And she went into work as a substitute teacher and was was, was killed, and actually her son was a detective who responded on the scene. Can you imagine? It's his mom's death, and he responded on the scene not knowing that his mom had died and having to come to that conclusion while at work, Mm-mm. which is horrifying. And she ha- she wrote her husband a note that said, had to go meet teacher, I love you, hope you feel better today, love mom, left you breakfast. Ugh. Before that she, kills me. That yeah. reminds me of like the people from like nine eleven who were able to like just leave normal, notes and stuff. But it's she just didn't like, even know she was gonna. It was just no, a but day. even then, it's like the people like their last memories of their yeah. parents and stuff. It just like it's like so it's she left a she left that note for them and they had it framed and it's hanging in their house now. <sighs> so that is uh, Cynthia Tisdale. Christopher Stone was seventeen. And his family and friends had posted on social media asking about where he was. They couldn't find him. So he was one of the first names to uh, emerge on social media because they, his family was looking, they were so. looking for him. Yeah. And it says his sister Mercedes Stone was 19 and she said being a big brother was his best job. Although he was the youngest, she said, he definitely protected his sisters as if he was the oldest. He was always there. Someone needed someone to listen or to cheer him up. Logan Pettis said that Chris was his best friend. After his death was announced, he simply tweeted, I don't know what I'm going to do. He -hmm. later put his feelings into words. Been holding this off for a while, but I'm finally able to even think. Chris was my friend since kindergarten. We became best friends last year. I took Chris to school this morning, laughing the whole way there. Then 45 minutes into school, he passes. Life hits hard. Rest in peace, Chris. Oh, my God. Glenda Ann Perkins. Glenda Ann Perkins was a, um, she was a teacher. I think, I believe she was a substitute teacher. Her GoFundMe page says that she died protecting her students mm-hmm. in her last moments. Jared Black. Jared Black was... Um, so these are the words of 11-year-old Nick Black, which was Jared's oh, half-brother. Babe. He wrote in a statement that Jared loved to play Minecraft on Xbox, play Pokemon Go on his cell phone, oh. and loved art. Babe. So, so many of these people, obviously, they didn't expect that their loved ones to no. pass away so quickly, so they have GoFundMe set up for their funerals. Family friend Elizabeth McGinnis said Jared's father sat in misery for 13 hours, not knowing if he was one of the victims. Then there's Sabika Sheik, who was 18. She um, had been on a special study abroad program set up by the State Department in the aftermath of September 11th. And um, it brings Muslim-majority students 
to the U.S. on a cultural exchange. So she was a exchange student, I believe, from Pakistan. That's heartbreaking. Who passed away. Angelique Ramirez was 15, and her aunt had posted a thing on social media saying, we don't know where she is, we're worried about her, and then had to update later saying that yeah. she had passed away as well. They raised more than $13,000 on a GoFundMe for her um, funeral expenses. This is the guy I was talking about earlier, Christian Riley Garcia. He died protecting um, girls in his class, and um, he passed away protecting them. What a hero. Yeah. Shanna Fisher yep. is the girl who um, was- turned down the advances of yeah. the shooter over the past several months. She was 16. She had turned 16 just 10 days before the attack. Kimberly Jessica Vaughn, she was known as Kim Vaughn, and they've set up a GoFundMe for her as well. I don't know her age. Erin Kyle McLeod was 15 years old and was said to be a lighthearted person. A friend, Collie Reeves, called him outgoing and super sweet. She said that he was such a lighthearted person. She wondered that if she had called him during the attack, he would have made a joke about him getting shot. He always looked on the bright side of things. So those are the victims of of this attack. There is nothing else to be said. I mean, we're upset. We're sad. We're angry. We don't know what to do, as as everyone. Um, But... We feel like it's important to talk about that. So I feel like we've said a lot about it and and we can kind of move on to the next thing. But we just wanted to give them their proper due. And I I wish we could have done that for the Parkland victims. And it's something that we will try to do going forward. And maybe we'll make bonus episodes rather than having these mini episodes to do this. But sad that we have to make it a regular segment on our show to talk about this. But it's going to happen. I mean, how many months ago was Parkland? It's going to happen. It just happened. So... It just happened, it was the day before, it was Valentine's Day. It was Valentine's Day. So, it wasn't that many months ago. Nope. And here we are again. And here here we we will be again in a few months, I'm sure. Unless something is different. Okay, you you wanted to talk about the van attack. Well, it wasn't really a van, it was just a car. A car attack. Um, And I, I thought it was more of like a mass murder type situation. It wouldn't really be considered that, but it's still fucking heartbreaking. Are you ready for more terrible? I am. You sure? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. A 62-year-old man intentionally drove his vehicle into a North Carolina restaurant where his family was eating on Sunday, killing his daughter and daughter-in-law and injured several others. Yes, I did know this. Roger Self and 16 members of his family had gone to Surf and Turf Lodge in the Charlotte suburb of Bessemer County after attending church on Sunday and were enjoying a meal when he suddenly got up, went to his car, and drove it at full speed through the front window and into a table where his family was seated. And I believe he actually sat them down there. Like, so it he was very sat, intentional. He sat down. He had, you know, time with them and said, excused himself, said, I'll be right back. Um, but he sat them will, intentionally in a spot where he would be able to. I don't know about that, him. but we. I'm, I'll read through more of this, and then we'll kind of talk about our theories of it. Let's see. One of those who was killed in the cra- in the crash was his daughter, Caitlin Self. She was a deputy at the Gaston County Jail and had worked at Gaston County Sheriff's Office for four years. Amanda Self, the suspect's daughter-in-law, also died in the crash. She was a nurse. Self's wife, Diane Self, and son, Josh Self, a police officer, were critically injured in the incident, which occurred around noon on Sunday. 
His pastor claimed Self had been experiencing severe mental illness. This is what the pastor says. What happened yesterday was not a testimony of Roger's self, but a testimony of mental illness that absolutely overtook him a little over two months ago. He described self as being his best friend. He was suffering from severe depression and and severe anxiety. And by severe, I mean severe. This wasn't your normal what you and I would go through when something bad happened in your life. This was severe and it was a roller coaster. In the last few days, it went from bad to really bad. He was charged with two counts of first-degree murder Sunday night, according to jail records. So now I want to go back and discuss this a little bit. Apparently, the daughter planned this time for them to get together because she wanted to spend time with her father, which is heartbreaking. And for all intents and purposes, the things that I was reading makes it sound like the family was close. I don't know if he, you know, placed them in certain places. That was what I saw. I mean, if they were sitting by the window and he gets up and takes his car and drives through it, to me, there seems to be something pretty pretty intentional about that. Yes. From what I heard, from the article that I read, which, you know, you can never trust or accept the source, um, things can be sensationalized, but the article that I read said that he put them in those seats so that he could drive through. Because if they were seated in the center of the restaurant, he wouldn't have been able to do that. And and regardless, even if he had just driven his car in to hit them, seems intentional. Yeah, I did not realize that it was his daughter and stepdaughter until I started reading more into this. Again, this is something that Chris texted me feeling just very helpless and was like, I I can't deal with this anymore. And I kind of needed a couple days, again, kind of like the shooting where I could kind of sit down and expose myself to this kind of thing again and yeah I kind of had to as true and well-intentioned as it may be when the pastor was saying all those things it just made me roll my eyes because it's like again we are creating this stigma around mental illness that is showing that it is violent um yeah I think to me it's not an excuse if he is if he is suffering from a mental illness maybe such as schizophrenia or something where there are voices that are telling him that he needs to do something or things like that um I don't know we don't know what the situation is he's claiming that it's depression and anxiety okay I have depression and anxiety and I would never run down my family it's a really touchy subject because for me yes my instinct is also to roll my eyes and be like that is my instinct. When you were reading that, that's what I was doing. Because, because also we've read it so many times. Well, and because he can be your best friend and also be deeply flawed. Yes. And he can have mental illness and also be completely responsible for his actions. Yes. You can be depressed and have anxiety and it can lend itself to doing terrible, terrible things that you wouldn't do if you were clear-headed. But you are still responsible for yeah. what you've done. I understand that there are circumstances, psychotic breaks, severe, you know, schizophrenia attacks whenever you, when you have breaks with reality. Yeah. Where you aren't responsible for but what you've done. But that's not there. So far, there have been no. There's um, no claims of that. There's no claims of that. There are no experts that are saying, yes, we've, you know, spoken with him and this is what's going on. Because I have a lot of sympathy and I actually do believe that, like, people who who have had, maybe they've done really awful things, but they had a 
real break with reality. Definitely. They but, are not responsible for what they've done. But unless you're telling me that that's what you've discussed and that's a possibility of what ha- what's happened, yeah. that's going to be my first response. Agreed. And also, this just for anyone who has had a best friend or a family member who has done something horrible, that doesn't change your reality of who they were to you. They can be your best friend. And you can think right. that they're a certain way and you can have those memories and still think of well, them fondly. And still come to the realization that they weren't the person that you thought they were. And here's the thing. Like, you are a different person to every single person that you meet. Yeah. And your relationship with someone can be different than who they who they turn out to be. Yeah. And that doesn't make your relationship false. It doesn't mean that what you had with that person wasn't real. It just means that there's another facet to this person that you didn't know. And it doesn't mean that that's not also them. You can't say it wasn't him to have done this. It was him. It was just a different facet of him that you didn't know. You can say, I don't, you know, it's hard for me to believe that this happened. The man that I knew would not do this. And your relationship can remain the same. It can remain the same and your memories of that person can still be fond. And holding up, I feel like holding a person accountable for the bad things that they do is part of being a good friend. Because you're looking out for their best interest. If you really feel like this man has mental illness, you can call him on it and say, what you did was messed up. But because I'm your friend, I'm going to tell you that instead of just telling you that all it's all good and I'm going to turn a blind eye and maybe I can help you through it like if yeah you, if you truly especially believe, being a pastor my goodness right I mean and and I do believe in redemption and rehabilitation and allowing people to to change I, I believe even the worst of people need someone to confide in and talk yeah. to and help because there's clearly something that and, happened yeah and yeah. help them get through it and it's what he did is is terrible and unforgivable and et cetera, et cetera. But no one is saying you shouldn't still be a friend of this person. You can go ahead and still be a friend of that person, but you need to be a friend to that person with all honesty coming forward. And in the right way. You know, don't don't just blindly believe, I feel like. Don't just blindly Go into um, it with all of your eyes open. Yeah. 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 All of them. All of the eyes. All of the eyes. All of, even the ones in the back of your head and as on As many butt. as you have. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just want to bring that up because that's something for me, the more I learned about it, the more tragic it it's, was. It's horrifying. It it's so sad. It is absolutely horrifying. My heart is with that family. I'm not going to say thoughts and prayers because fuck that shit. But I am, I, I am. You know, I'm actually also really upset that the right and the NRA has ruined thoughts and prayers. Right? Because Because we want to have thoughts and prayers with them. Because I truly believe, even if you don't believe in the power of prayer or whatever, I do believe in the power of positive thought and positive energy. And I think that we should be able to send positive thoughts and and prayers, but those things have to be tied to... You gotta back it up. Yeah, action. Back it up. And so, you know what? Go ahead and say it. We send... Thoughts and prayers. To that family. <laughs> to that family, because you know what? They don't get to take that from us. Nope. We we will send thoughts and prayers, but we will also do what we can. To back it up. To back it up in yep. whatever way that we can do. So let's talk a little bit about the Second Amendment. Kind of going back to gun violence a little bit, because I feel like this is something that I'm still learning about. This is something that a lot of America is learning about and needs to be discussed. And the specifics and vocabulary and grammar that is used in this and what it means. So, the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution protects the right of people to keep and bear arms and was adopted on December 15th, 1791. That is what Wikipedia says. 
this is what is actually written in the Constitution. It says, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep or bear arms shall not be infringed. Um, it's, it's, I'm sorry. It makes me laugh because I've legit, I think it was after the Las Vegas shooting, I legit unfriended people on Facebook for saying, the, the Second Amendment shall not be infringed. People would just put that on, yep. like, and yep. and they would put that on my statuses, saying how heartbroken I was. The Second Amendment shall not be infringed, and I <laughs> fuck you. I unfriended them right away. I was like, oh, you know what? Whatever we had, whatever semblance of a relationship we had, I don't give but a shit you, about that. But you have to realize what shall not be infringed is not the same circumstances that we are going through now. Well, and regardless, even if you just take those words that were said. The right to bear arms shall not be infringed, meaning meaning you have the right to bear arms, not you have the right to bear military-grade weapons. And it also says, like, a well-regulated militia. Exactly. We and are not a thing. well-regulated militia. Right. The standard, normal, like, well, American here, civilian. Let me walk you through something. I went. I literally went to a website of how to explain the Second Amendment to children. So here we go. Good. That's what I need. You ready? Yes. Me too. I got you. Militia. During an early American history, all males who were between the ages of 16 to 60 were required to be a part of the local militia in their towns and communities. Almost everyone during this time used and owned guns. The few men who did not use or own a gun were required by law to pay a small fee instead of participating in the military services of their communities. These militias defended the communities against Indian raids and revolved, acted as a police force when it was needed, and was available to be called upon to defend either the state or of the United States of America if it was needed. Man, there's some weird grammatical stuff yeah, in that. Yeah, the type, yeah, it's weird. So, basically, this was a time where there was not a strict military, police force. I hate that they use the word Indian raid, um, because I'm assuming they're referring to Native Americans. Absolutely, yes, they are. Uh, fuck that shit. Um, so, to me, that is, that is explaining to you why common man had to be willing to defend itself under their, you know, whatever. Listen, I have had many people come to me and say, or in my statuses and say, well, what are you going to do if we have to fight against the military? Listen, <laughs> if we have to fight against the military... I'm a fucking hide. You're going to die. <laughs> there is nothing you can do. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're well, I'm sorry. It's ridiculous. Like no, your face was so crazy. You're gonna die. That's the date. It's the truth. It's the truth because it's just like these people are like, well, what if we need to defend ourselves against the government? I would lay the fuck down and play dead because the- I would squirt ketchup on myself and be like, eh, 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 dead. Do you have a tank? <laughs> Do you have a drone bomb? <laughs> Like, do you have nuclear weapons? Because if you don't have any How of this did you stuff, know? <laughs> if you don't have any of these things, the government's going to take you out. It doesn't matter how many AKs you have. Nope. So you can say that that's the reason you have your guns and you can't get rid of them, but it's not going to do you any good. Nope. If the military comes for you, yeah. they're taking you out. Yeah. There is, I mean, there's no if, ands, or buts. It's a shitty thing to think about. That that's the possibility of what you know what happen. I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. But you it's, know it's not 1790 anymore. We yeah. can't protect ourselves from a from a government that's trying to take our shit. Yep, no, I, we can't. I agree, and that's the thing you have to understand. 
these common people were acting as a military. They were, in their minds, at a war with, I'm not going to fucking say Indian, Native American people. And well, they and whoever felt, else. Also, and whoever else. And they the felt French that they and... needed to defend themselves, which I understand. And if you weren't part of the military, you had to pay a fee to not be a part of the military. So that's something you have to understand. At this time, it really wasn't much of an option. So you had to put it in the Constitution to say, yeah, it's okay for these people to do this. Well, they have to be able to defend and themselves. And not to mention, yes, defense, but also not to mention at this time, you needed weapons to hunt. Like, yeah. you did. Like They're you... not talking about schools. They're not talking about things like that where there, there weren't those kinds of threats at the time because this is, like, still pretty yeah. new to our yeah. nation, you know? All right, so let's talk about the phrase bear arms. When the Second Amendment was written, arms meant weapons. The word arms did not necessarily mean only guns, but it definitely included guns. The Second Amendment did not specifically explain what categories or types of arms, nor did it list what weapons were considered arms. When you bear arms, this means you physically carry a weapon. You may have arms in your home as well as on your person. So that is something that is very clear, too. In this day and age, we're not going to be carrying around a bow and arrow, you know, things like that. Last year in Missouri, where I'm from, people do that. I love that. I would rather carry on a bow and arrow than Compound a gun. bows are a serious situation there. Oh, maybe not then. Oh, they're great. I mean, they're fun to shoot, but they are deadly. Yeah, exactly. So that's the other thing that we have to remember is that they are not specifically only talking about guns. And people have made this very much just about guns and carrying guns. I feel like if you see someone carrying around a knife, people tend to kind of freak out. Yet that would still be Depending considered on the a weapon. Size of the knife, yeah. I mean, exactly. You know what I mean? This is the thing is that we are still so protected. Or over if these you saw guns. someone carrying around a compound bow, just you'd be like, in, in the store. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, why are you carrying around that bow, sir? You don't need that except for to hurt something. Exactly. Like, you're not hunting squirrels in Target. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. All right. Last but not least, shall not be infringed. The Second Amendment does not grant any right to bear arms. Furthermore, wait, what? This, okay, this is what it says, and I did not catch this earlier. The Second Amendment does not grant any right to bear arms. Furthermore, the rest of the Bill of Rights does not describe any right to do so. These rights are thought of as natural rights or God-given rights. In the Bill of Rights, the Second Amendment is just a reminder to the government that they should not try to stop people from having this right. Keegan, go. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that either, and I, it's, people are saying it's a God-given right, which I feel like gives people even more, like, no. Idea I mean, to be like, it's my God-given right. I feel like that's not even a conversation that we should have. No, God it's not. didn't make guns, dude. Nope. We made guns. Is there a gun? Well, <laughs> that's up for debate. I, I'm just kidding. I just but, wanted to be existential for but a if second. But we, if we want to say that it's a God-given right, it's like there are things that were created by God. Us. Nature. Yeah. Animals. Water. The earth. Guns. Not nope. among those things. Nope. It, there was no eighth day where he discovered... He's like, where he I'm going to make you an AK-47. No, yep. that didn't happen. In 1790-whatever, whenever this 91. happened... 91. <laughs> in 1791, guns could not shoot off the amount of rounds that yeah. they do now in the amount of time that they do now. So I think that that is something worth bringing up and worth talking about. Weapons were not as deadly. Guns in particular were not as deadly as they are now. You couldn't take out 50 people in a matter of yeah. minutes the way yeah. that you can now. 
Um, and I don't think that whoever wrote these laws anticipated that things would get this way, you know, this quickly. Yeah. Where we could kill each other this easily, where a 17-year-old could go into a school and take out people this fast. Yeah. So, well, as, and this, as far as that goes, that's Yeah, this Rolling Stone article makes a good point um, that... This was written during Obama's administration. It says, unfortunately, in many instances, they enshrined those faults in the Constitution. For instance, most people don't know it now, but under the original document, Mitt Romney would be serving as President Obama's vice president right now because he was the runner up in the last presidential election. Right. Um, That was part of the 12th Amendment. They say much more profoundly, the framers and the Constitution were wildly wrong on race. They enshrined slavery into the Constitution in multiple ways, including taking the extreme step of prohibiting the Constitution from being amended to stop the slave trade in the country's first 20 years. Right. Um, There's blatant racism in the Constitution. Yes, and sexism. Yep. There are other flaws that have been fixed, such as about voting and presidential secession, and still other flaws that have not quite been fixed, such as about equal rights for women and land-based representation in the Senate. But the point is the same. There is nothing permanent about the founders and the Constitution. They were deeply flawed people it was and is a flawed document and when we think about how to make our country a more perfect union we must operate with those principles in mind no kidding yeah that's why it's an amendment yep and it says in the face of yet another mass shooting now is the time to acknowledge a profound but obvious truth the second amendment is wrong for this country and needs to be jettisoned that's that's the thing and this was written a long time ago that's the thing that upsets me about the argument that it is god-given and that it cannot be infringed upon or that it cannot be changed or updated. It's an amendment. An amendment means it was not in the original Constitution. Yeah. The Constitution was amended to add this to it, which means you. that we can change it. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that... And it me. has been changed, it but has not been changed the way it should be. Many times. If we left the Constitution the way it was, not only would we not have the Second Amendment, but we also wouldn't have the amendments that allow women the right, right to vote. We also wouldn't have the amendments that allow black people to be considered people and to own property and to vote. So the idea that we cannot change or update our Constitution, based on what's going on in everyday life, is ludicrous and ridiculous, and we need to fucking throw it away, and I'm getting very heated about this subject. Will you marry me? <laughs> yes, I will. I've never loved you more. <laughs> okay, can, let's talk about some happy stuff. Okay, so let's, I actually had an idea. Let's wrap it up in some way. I had an idea that, like, we both listened to My Favorite Murder. Why don't we make this our fucking hooray of the week? Okay. So, so awesome. what has made you happy this week, Madigan? Okay, so I can't tell you the thing that I found? Because this isn't, like, yes. the thing oh, no, that tell makes me, the me thing. happy. Oh, oh good. Maybe tell this me is something that's, that made me that's happy. That's lighthearted. Though. Anything that's, like, okay, not terrible. Okay, this is lighthearted. It's about one of my favorite shows, Big Mouth. Good, good. Good, good. Um, Gina Rodriguez and, 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 fuck, what's his first name? Um, Thulis, who played, who's from Harry Potter, what's his name? Thulis? Fuck, his last name is Thulis. Oh, oh, was he Lupin? Yes, yes, thank you. They're both going to be in Big Mouth. 
Lovely. I'm so excited. It says, according to IndieWire, Rodriguez will voice a hottie soccer player on Missy, Jenny Slate, and Jesse, Jesse Klein, team. While Thulis will portray a character called the Shame Wizard. In a press release, Netflix described the character as the hormone monster's mortal enemy who haunts the kids, stroking their deepest shames. And I could not be more stoked. I know. Stroking, I mean, to me, that's an inherently sexual word. Exactly. Um, so, but that makes me excited because I've been waiting for season two of Big Mouth. The fact that I got more information about it and the fact that, um, you know, I love Jane the Virgin. I love Harry Potter. Yeah, I was going to say Gina Rodriguez and Jenny Slate in the yeah. same show that like, ooh, I like that. Chills. Yeah, goosebumps. So that was the thing. And it, Keegan, I got to tell you, it took me a while to find something good. I know. I was scrolling. I am going, I'm going to do for my like, hooray happy feeling of this week and look i'm as surprised as anyone because i didn't think that this was going to be it for me this week but the royal wedding actually did kind of like warm the sad shriveled up corners of my soul um i wish i cared (laughs) i didn't care i didn't care i didn't care i was like who cares i'm so sick of this But then I saw, and I didn't wake up for it because fuck that. I love my sleep too much to get up at 4.30 in the morning. But there was something when I watched the clips back of it that really actually totally did warm my heart. They look at each other very lovingly. I do have to say that. First of all, I do think they actually love each other, which is a plus. Yeah. That is a plus. That feels good. But also, as a... And listen, anyone who's younger than me might not believe me that Prince William used to be the hot one. Prince William was the hot one when I was growing up. Yep. And for every girl who maybe doesn't look like a English princess who might be half black, possibly. I'm that, speaking very personally at the no, moment. No, I think what you're saying is but, correct. But who had a crush on on one of the princes and, and dreamed of, like, maybe becoming a princess someday, but thought, like, oh, no, it could never happen because they don't marry black girls. It was really cool to see. Yeah. It was cool to see yeah. her mom, who's, like, this black woman with a nose ring. I know! Sitting, watching her so proudly, and to watch a black preacher do his black American preacher thing that made yeah. so many English people uncomfortable. Like, oh, clash my pearls. Yeah, and um, and to watch a, a gospel choir sing and all of these things. And she walked herself down half yeah. of the aisle and all of these things, it made me feel yeah. It just makes me so sad inside. that she was such, she's such a feminist. She's such a person that wants to make differences in the world and she's not allowed to speak about social and political issues, especially because she is not yet a citizen. She's and not something allowed. But you know what? Princess Di wasn't allowed yeah, either. Yeah, and, and also she the did queen anyway. fucking hated her. Yeah, but who... Ca- Listen, in many ways, I think that Queen Elizabeth is a badass bitch, but I have to say, she's gonna die soon. So, um... I love you so much I mean, this episode. it is what it is. No, I know, a, but it's your faces and everything you're saying. I just, I'm falling more and more in love with you every second. a considerable amount of whiskey. Um... <laughs> And I've got my voice back, so I feel like I can actually kind of talk. Yeah. Um, 
But she's going to die soon. So it's like, fuck girl, it. do what you want. If you want to, because she has been very outspoken as a feminist and, as, yeah. and a and humanitarian. And that's what made me so. feel concerned. I sent you that whole thing. Where yeah. I was like, no. Yeah. They have to wear neutral color nail polish. Suck my dick. I know. Why does that matter at all? Suck my dick. I know. <sighs> um, but, all right. But that did, it surprisingly... In my withered old soul, did actually like make me feel <laughs> decent. All right. So, um, so well, that was good. I mean, I guess the other good thing for me is that my dog—I almost said my daughter—my <laughs> dog's birthday. Your doctor. My doctor's birthday is on Thursday. She's going to be three. So when this comes out, it's Dorothy's birthday. Happy birthday, mommy, daddy, love you. You don't listen to podcasts. This is a really long episode, so we're not going to read a Sister Solidarity story this episode. No, we but will we, do that next time. We know we have some backed up, so we've got a couple of people who are yeah. in our in our queue. And don't worry, we will get to you next week. Yep. This will be a bonus episode for the week. So. All right. Guys, we love you. Thank you for listening to us and raging with us and putting up with everything that we talk about and for sharing your experiences and making us feel more connected to you and vice versa so with that i just wanted to remind you guys you know to rage Rage on. on we love you hey there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women bobby cannavale you can eat it Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.